strange title for today's episode, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. The personality of a family comes from many different places. It's influenced by the country of origin, your ancestry, and the personality of the family members. My ancestry is from Dalarna, Sweden. My wife, Lonnie, is mostly Norwegian, with a few other nationalities mixed in. Now, nationality and origin is just one small part that determines the personality of a family. The place you grew up adds to the mix. I've mentioned my hometown of Dassel, Minnesota several times. One of my best friends over the past 50 years is Lanny. Lanny grew up on the banks of the Crow River in central Minnesota in a small town called Kingston. Now, back in our high school days, we lived on that river. We took advantage of every opportunity to take Lanny's canoes out to explore the river. That friendship and our times together influenced my personality. Another big influence is family traditions. The big ones are obvious, such as holidays and family get-togethers. But the everyday family activities are also a big part of this. Almost every Saturday morning, my mother would stir up a batch of bread. Back in the 1960s, there were no mixes, no bread machines. Everything was done from scratch. She would make up fresh, hot caramel rolls. Again, tradition always enters in. She would add raisins to her recipe because her mother did. Now, this is a very controversial topic in the world of caramel rolls, but we grew up with it. But the real star of the morning was her family's traditional thin bread. It's almost hard to describe the process of making thin bread, but I'll give it a try. The name is very descriptive. You let the bread rise and you punch it down several times. After that two-hour process, you roll the dough out onto cookie sheets. Now this is where the skill comes in. If you roll it too thin, it gets like a cracker. If you roll it too thick, it was thick and chewy. And then you had everything in between. Everyone in the family would pick through the thin bread to find that perfect piece. If there are any relatives listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's hard to beat a warm piece of thin bread with butter and peanut butter. This thin bread recipe was handed down from generation to generation. I remember my mom telling me about her grandfather, who lived with them. He would take his thin bread and let it sit out overnight, so it was really tough and chewy. I was never able to meet my grandmother, my mother's mother, but she must have been an amazing cook. She raised one son and six daughters. Every one of my aunts were master cooks, each with their own specialties. Now, I just named a few things, but these all contribute to the personality of a family. I hope I've given you enough of a setup around the family personality idea. Our topic today is words and phrases. Every family has their own language made up of special words, slang, nicknames, broken English, and phrases from the old country. This special family dialect 
at least in our family, became so extensive that I decided to write all of them down. At the very least, I would try to attach a definition to these words and phrases. Everyone in our family knows exactly what they mean, but to the outside world, it does really sound like a foreign language. As this project grew, so did my parameters. I decided to try to track down, if possible, the origins of these words and phrases. My Aunt Gloria was a master wordsmith, at least in this special language. She may not have created the words, but she sure knew how to use them. Here's one of my all-time favorites, spinorti. The definition, over-the-top fancy. It can be used to describe someone that's all dressed up for something special. The origins of these family words range from phrases used in Sweden by earlier generations to Homer and Mr. Burns from The Simpsons TV show. I mentioned my friend Lanny earlier. He shows up on my list several times. One of his words is Kugelschreiber. That's a German word that means pen, ink pen, or even pencil. That simple German term pops out of me more than I'm willing to admit. And I apologize to any Germans out there because I'm sure I'm destroying that pronunciation. Kugelschreiber. Even my three-year-old grandson has contributed to this language. He'll gather up all the pillows he can find and stack them into a fort. When he's ready, he'll make the announcement, let's have a sleeping camp. And the term sleeping camp was born. As I've gotten older, I've discovered the joys of the occasional afternoon nap. I no longer take naps. I have a sleeping camp. I think you're starting to see where I'm going with this. What words and phrases belong to your clan? Now, this is your family's special language. There's a good chance that you are the only ones that know what this means. I'm going to share a story with you that really brought this home for our family. So that brings us back to the title of this episode. It's actually pronounced Goody Good. This is a Swedish mealtime prayer that we learned when we were young children. I'm not sure, but I think the origins would be my mother's father. We would visit him in the nursing home, and I remember a big smile, white hair, and big bushy eyebrows. He could easily go between English and Swedish all in the same sentence. Now, my six-year-old memory might not be that good, but I always thought this was his prayer. So here's the full prayer. Goody good vasenamant, yesenam, amen. Growing up, we had three different mealtime prayers, and my sister and I would normally decide which one we were going to do. The most popular was, Come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let this food to us be blessed. Amen. Then there was Goody Good. Now, as a kid, I thought that was basically the same prayer, just in Swedish. Then we had the Spirit Move You prayer that was kind of made up on the fly. Those had a tendency to go a little bit long because you took the time to thank the Lord for the food Pray for the people around the table, 
Pray for the hands that prepared the food and even a few events of the day. Now, for a hungry little boy, I always defaulted to the goody good prayer. Goody good of Saint Amon, yes, no, amen. Now, this is where the story gets interesting. We were taught this prayer, and we have taught our kids this prayer. We have a real rich tradition going. A few years ago, my sister and my brother-in-law, David, and their family took a trip to Sweden. David's grandfather, Arvid, came to America as a young boy from Varmlands, Sweden. Family friends still live in the original house that Arvid grew up in. They were able to spend the day visiting with that family. This was a perfect opportunity to get the official translation of our family's traditional Swedish prayer. So they recited it. Gudi gud, vasenemant, yesenum, amen. Family looked at each other and simply said, we have no idea what you said. In our defense, a few of the words kind of came close. Yesenum, amen, is kind of like, in Jesus' name, amen. But I got to tell you, after 50 plus years, it had turned into an unrecognizable language. We still pray this prayer occasionally at mealtime, and I am fully confident that the good Lord knows exactly what we're talking about. Here's your assignment. What's your family's special language? You may need to ask some other relatives. You may need to put a little time into this, but I think you'll enjoy it. Here's this week's question. What would you do if you inherited $10 million? And I want you to come up with 10 different answers. The first few answers are going to take care of the new house and the car and all the toys. After that, I think you're going to start to see what actually is important to you. Have fun, and we'll see you next time on You Have Stories. Stories.